Good evening, listeners. You are tuned into Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM or in your ears via the podcast. In the studio with me, Anna Rose, today, we have Soy. Hello. Leo. Hi. And we are joined by Emma Priestland, who is a plastics pollution campaigner for Friends of the Earth. Hi. So we're going to be discussing why we should all care about plastic um, and how women are fighting plastic pollution. But first, let's start with celebrations and frustrations. Soy, do you want to kick us off? I've got a both a, a, a both a celebration and a frustration, I guess. Um, I think I'll go with a. I'll start with frustration. Start with bad news first. Um, today, I was told I had eczema, which is the first time in my life I've been told I have eczema. Um, but the good news with that is that now I can get it treated because I did the the kind of typical thing where you don't go for a while and then it gets to the point where it's like oh, I should yeah. probably go. Um, and then uh, celebration. Um, some of my photos made it onto the BBC News website today. Yay! So, um, That's a great celebration. Yeah. For environmental journalism. Yeah. Very pleased. Very pleased. Yeah. Um, so I have the same thing of a frustration, which I mean, I feel like your eczema one having a diagnosis is also a celebration in yeah. a way. Yeah. So. I'm not sure if I should create a parallel between your body and my kitchen, but <laughs> good start. Now that I've heard that, no, I should not. Um, basically, my girlfriend was cleaning the kitchen and she pulled out the oven and the side and the sink fell down. Um, what? Yeah. So like already only one of one side of the tap works. It was pretty problematic. But anyway, someone came to fix it and he's been fixing loads of stuff around the house and it's just been really nice so now my kitchen is no longer broken broken Mm. and full of eczema yeah and (laughs) and full of eczema as it always has been no actually the it's not peeling anymore you know we had like oh i'm glad we could actually reach for the (laughs) the similarity i did it so i did it i hope that's okay emma do you have a celebration or a frustration the best thing about my day to day was that my veg box was delivered. Nice. Uh, very cheesy thing to be happy about, but there is so much joy in getting beautiful, lovely vegetables. It just really, it's like Christmas when it arrives. Yeah, so that's really. it, the veggie Christmas. Frustration, okay. I've just been in a weird, quiet mood. So it's kind of weird that I finished my day off talking to people, but <laughs> that's nice. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. I've had a terrible week, but my friend oh, bought no. a very cute puppy in to see me at lunchtime today, and it was great, what and it kind fixed of everything. What um, It's a Welsh Springer Spaniel, oh. and it's got so much energy, and it really didn't want me to go back to work. Aww. It was really sad about me leaving. Yeah. Puppy therapy. We yeah, all need that. it works. Mm. It works. So, onto plastics. Um, I think we're, in the studio at least, all kind of of the age where we grew up learning that we should be recycling plastic and we were kind of conscious that it was a thing that we needed to care about a bit but it's only been very recently that the public conversation has really ramped up about single-use plastic Mm. certainly um the charge on plastic bags and supermarkets um the ban on plastic straws and how everyone kind of overnight suddenly hates drinking gin and tonics with a plastic straw (laughs) um but i kind of wondered is that is plastic something that you actually think about every day? 
I notice that when I'm cooking um, and I have to use like the money and it's something that comes in packaging, um, I will always check the back just out of habit and feel like, okay, so we've got two bins, the bin bin and the recycling bin and kind of like, okay, well, that one has the recycling sign. I'll throw that in there. And I did. So I'm very conscious of it in in that sense. But there's other times when um, I will, you know, be more irritated, but kind of not go as far as to say with Amazon I think that you know they'll put like a a little nail polish in a um a really big cardboard box but fill it with (laughs) with plastic wrap and you think oh okay well this is unnecessary but um I don't know I think that's a a kind of plastic roulette with Amazon (laughs) (laughs) such a good way of phrasing it I've definitely become more aware recently like I think I've I don't know I've always been terrible at recycling and I have had a lot of guilt but not enough to do anything about it um but recently like my girlfriend started getting more into like ideas around single-use plastic um and so we like switched to shampoo bars from Lush which has been really quite fun actually um and like buying soap instead of shower gel which was like just really easy changes that we didn't really think twice about like once it's changed it's just like okay um, but I am like quite bad with like sing- buying single-use plastic. It's not something that I really watch out for on a personal level. I've always been super conscious. I think because I grew up in France that you shouldn't like heat things up in plastic or like reuse a plastic water bottle because you're drinking stuff that's bad for you. Um, and that was like drilled into me a lot more. It might be a French thing. It might just be like <laughs> who I grew up around than like say protecting the planet or recycling. But that's super interesting that in France that's the thing because it is there's a real basis behind that. You shouldn't keep reusing water bottles because chemicals leach out of that plastic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was something that was ever taught to me as a kid. I only know about it because of the work I do. Oh, well, yeah. go France. <laughs> Put that out there. I mean, to be a bit disgusting, yeah. I, up until very recently, would drink from reused plastic bottles until it got to a point where I thought, oh, that smells a bit. <laughs> just so you know. So not even washing them in between? No. Yeah. I'll just reuse okay. that. Just keep pouring that water in. That's great um, that you've yeah. got past but that. <laughs> I have bought a new, albeit plastic bottle, but it's like that, is it BPA free? Or is it that kind of supposed to be that good plastic kind of thing? Um, I'm looking at our plastic expert. Like, is that is that okay? It is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although they say BPA free, but then they kind of use a slightly different version of BPA that okay. is also very damaging. So I'd say just stay clear of plastic for that. Um, Sorry yeah, to maybe break like your heart. a what the metal bottle? Is it metal? Are there metal yeah. bottles and things like that? That's there are alternatives. What I use. Yeah. yeah. I think it's safer from a chemical point of view. Maybe not in an overall sustainability because. Metal has problems too. <laughs> we just have to be very conscious of everything. Basically, <laughs> there is no way to live a life that's totally pure. <laughs> but how, I mean, as individuals, how much are we actually impacting the plastics conversation by not drinking out of plastic bottles, for example? So I think there's been a massive change just in the past couple of years in terms of individuals taking actions like, you know, being really conscious about straws and plastic bags and things. There is so many changes that you can make as an individual. And I think it goes much further than single-use plastics. Like you can choose where you spend your money. You can go to a market to buy your vegetables instead of going to the supermarket, which relies completely on plastic. So we, you know, we can show the corporations what we want by choosing where to spend our money. But 
making an individual change isn't enough unless you're also advocating with your wider community or you're getting involved with you know political parties if you're writing to those companies like there's so much more that we need to do to actually see the change that needs to happen so how did you get so into knowing about plastic i know that you're friends of the earth now it used to be at seas at risk like what was your sort of plastic journey my plastic journey was actually a marine journey. Uh, my kind of, I've always been obsessed with the sea. I studied marine biology at university, but I'm absolutely terrible at maths. So there was no way I could be a scientist. Mm. I am quite good at talking sometimes. So um, I kind of like dropped out of life, went and lived in Asia for bits in the Philippines, uh, working as a diving instructor. And then I came back and moved to Belgium and really, really wanted to get involved in sort of the world of like European policy making and environmental space. Um, I think, you know, the, the European Union has got this incredible power over a huge area of land and sea, and they have some really progressive environmental policies. So I was lucky enough to get its job at Seas at Risk, um, working on marine litter. And at that time, it wasn't an issue that was really on anyone's radar. Like I was having to really go into meetings and talk to people about turtles with plastic in their throats. You know, that kind of very basic thing that at the moment, like, everyone knows about it but back yeah. then in sort of 2012 it was it just wasn't known about and so I've been here for working on this for quite some time it's been absolutely amazing to see it become this huge thing like the reason that we pay for plastic bags in the shop is because of an EU law that I worked on in 2013 oh, nice. and it sort of gives me a little <laughs> warm glow every time I hand over my 10 pence Wow. Uh, it, it has it's had this huge knock on effect and the EU is still doing amazing stuff like they've banned straws maybe we will also have a straw ban if we don't Brexit soon enough we'll, so. see. we'll see and it's really interesting that you talk about um, turtles and having plastic in their neck um, because or in their throats because there is a lot of really powerful imagery as well as kind of kind of whale bellies and um, they do kind of what's inside a bird that's washed up on the beach and um, they're filled with plastic items, bags. Um, there's whole beaches in Thailand with plastic bags. I saw, um, I can't remember where it was, but like rivers of plastic bottles in um, another Asian country. Um, it could be easy to dismiss that as a problem that's very over there um, or too big a deal or too big a, a problem to actually deal with. Um, what are some of the very real ways in which plastic waste affects our selves our individual bodies things like that so plastic you know we 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 consider plastic to be this kind of chemically inert, inert substance and that it's clean and safe but actually there's an enormous amount of additives and different chemicals that are incorporated in those plastic products so for example your shower curtain the reason it's super flexible is because it has chemicals in it that are actually endocrine disruptors so they impact your hormonal system and like BPA that you mentioned earlier. My eyebrows are just rising. Yeah, so. we, how, how do they impact you? That's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> I am not a chemist. I did mention that I'm a terrible scientist. <laughs> um, there is an awful lot of unpleasant chemicals associated with different kinds of plastic. And we don't know for sure how they're impacting us. We know that they disrupt your hormone systems we don't know what effect that's actually having on us and the thing is it's actually really hard to find out because as humans we're surrounded by so many different kinds of chemicals that it's hard to isolate you know the the very serious changes that are being seen around mm. people's fertility for example 
uh, and say, you know, what is exactly the cause on that. But what we do know about is plastic has really terrible effects at the very start of its life cycle and the very end. So plastic is made from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we know all about the really terrible sort of air pollution that communities live who live near oil extraction or gas extraction sites. I have very, very long, close knowledge of that. <laughs> Having spent two years listening to testimonies of people who live next to oil Goodness. extraction sites. Yeah, it's not great is, is the truth. Yeah, it's yeah. very true. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> heartbreaking. And it's also yeah. very often, you know, poorer communities or communities of colour that are most, you know, that impacted by that and that's part of plastic story and actually fracking that gas is most often used to make plastic i can't remember the exact figures but the majority of europe's plastic is coming from frack gas and it's being exported from the states over to europe to be made into plastic so you know there's some pretty awful it's got a very high carbon footprint <laughs> yeah it isn't the clean wonder material that it's kind of sold to us as mm. and then at the other end of the scale is you know plastic dump sites in China, in Southeast Asia, in Africa. A lot of that is our plastic. It's plastic from Europe that's been exported to be, you know, in theory recycled. And in fact, it's just dumped and has like really serious consequences for the social, you know, well, people's lives Mm. and the environment. Mm. I remember in about 2007, my friend Jono, who's a journalist, did a story on how all the plastic from New Zealand that's meant to be recycled is just sent to China and burnt and it blew my mind, especially in New Zealand where we think of ourselves as so like forward Mm. in this kind of policy to realise that actually recycling is not helping the problem at all. There was, um, I I think it was at This American Life recently, um, was it This American Life? I'll probably footnote in the show notes. Um, But they realised that uh, China is no longer taking on board um, a lot of the recycling, a lot of the plastic that we send because they're like, well, we want to do yeah, different stuff with our yeah. economy now. Um, and so it's being refused. But the people who are taking it on, it's done on a sort of cottage industry level. So people are literally burning stuff in their house, which is, I mean, plastic fumes, I assume, are not great. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a really terrible thing to do. When you burn plastic, it creates dioxins and all sorts of persistent organic pollutants that will basically be around forever and also very carcinogenic. So I was very privileged to be shown around some of those places where plastic ends up in Indonesia. And there's huge, massive you know, mountains of plastic waste and you're just rummaging through it and you're finding things that are really recognisably British. You know, they've got the Union Jack on there. There's tons of this stuff. It's recognisably I mean... <laughs> British. There's ever a clue. It's a little flag waving. Yeah. Or things like Thornton's chocolate bar wrappers. You know, mm. I've never seen a Thornton's anywhere else. Uh, yeah, there's a real problem. The system's broken. We use too much plastic. We can't deal with it ourselves. And we're basically just trashing whole communities all around the world. There's a quote that I love about, um, it's about climate change, not about plastic, but it's that climate change is a man-made problem, but that women are going to fix it. Um, And I know that, especially in your work, you've seen and met some of these amazing women. Do you mind telling us a bit about how women are helping change that story. Absolutely. I think um, I fully stand by that, that quote. I think it's beautiful and it's the same in the, in the waste space. So we often say that, well, there's this, these figures that go around saying that 50% of marine plastic pollution is coming from five countries in Southeast Asia. And I, that really upsets me because I know that I've been to those countries, I've seen the 
how they're dealing with our waste, not their own waste, and how the communities there are doing everything they can to, you know, to clean up, to fight against it. And these are pretty much all women-led initiatives. So there's uh, there's an NGO in Philippines called the Mother Earth Foundation, and they have these projects called Zero Waste Communities. And so they'll go into a community and they'll work with local women uh, there to develop these incredible like waste separation centers and they'll set up composting facilities and they'll show them you know what plastics can be recycled and they'll cut down the amount of waste that there's actually being sent to landfill you know by i don't know the figures but huge percentages and it's all women-led and it gives them this amazing sense of you know community and power and they become sort of really you know leaders in their community mm. and you can see like they have amazing health impacts because by having less trash there's less mosquitoes being bred so they have less mosquito-borne diseases in the area, and it's uh, it's really hopeful. And are they are they paid for that that work as well? Is that is there like um, does it bring sort of money to local communities? So by separating the waste and finding the plastic that can actually be recycled, then yeah, that earns money for them. But I think a lot of it is just done by voluntarily. Wow. Mm. And what about policy? Is there examples of other people like yourself that? I'm really lucky in that the area I work in is, you know, vast majority women. Like the whole environmental space is just lots of incredibly inspiring, wonderful ladies that I'm lucky enough to work with. We also see in, you know, political spaces, a lot of the politicians who really take a stand on plastic are women. That was certainly the case in the European Parliament. And because women have, you know, we're, we're mostly impacted by this. You know, when we talk about endocrine disruptors, that's our bodies that are being disrupted. We're also heavily marketed all of these products that contain plastic. You know, your shampoo contains plastic. Most of your cosmetics contain plastic. They're sort of pushed on us. So we also have a lot of power to sort of say, no, I'm done with this. I don't need this. And we're the ones who make a lot of the spending decisions in the household. So, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about that. Um, like, when we talk about what are the solutions, um, and we think, you know, as an individual, how much can I really do? You know, big corporations, um, national governments, they have a lot of power um, and should take a lot of the responsibility. But are there things that we can do as individuals, you know, besides the buying your metal straw or kind of your your, your BPA-free <laughs> bottle? Um, what things, you know, can we all do to encourage each other as well, not just on the individual level, but on the kind of community level? So the work I do in, in political level would be completely impossible if we didn't have this kind of groundswell of, you know, individuals who are suddenly aware and switched on and talking about it. And I think we can all be you know, lobbyists in our local community. You can speak to your friends and family, whatever spaces you're working in, like in your school, your college, your office, your, you know, working with your local schools, your councils, all of these spaces can become single-use plastic-free. You can start having better recycling, you know, not just putting all the recycling in one bin, but really separating it out. And also, you know, just writing angry letters or even just angry tweeting, you're adding your voice to this kind of massive push that I'm then able to, you know, profit off by going to the politicians and saying, well, this, these are how many people want, are expecting change. Mm. And what are you going to do about it? And they are trying. I mean, I'm not despairing. There is of a course. lot of good stuff there happening. Hopeful. Yeah. I think the consumer decisions, like, I think. With the changing to the bars of soap for shampoo, I'm aware that that's it's not going to cause a revolution. But it does mean that 
me as a consumer i have a buy-in to the work that you're doing that it's showing like well voting with cash basically of saying i am rejecting these products for these and please read into that um yeah. as politicians i guess Do, i mean does that work it to any extent or am i just kidding myself no i think it completely works also you know companies like companies that rely on plastic and packaging like these fast moving consumer good companies they're always looking for the next innovation the next product to sell to us to heavily market to us they're always involving more and more plastic and packaging and by kind of turning back to the more traditional methods you know you're you're turning your back on that whole sort of massively polluting mm. industry i think you know remember that plastic is part of the oil industry, the petrochemical industry, this whole kind of multinational sort of pollution system that we live in. So, yeah, stick to soap. I think it's, it makes a big difference. It's a revolutionary act. I'm wearing my um, period pants today because it's like, even, even if I can't single-handedly take down the tampon empire, I just don't want that in my body and... I just can't cope. It just dries everything up. Sorry sorry to bring up tampons all the time. I just can't cope with tampons. They're just too uncomfortable. They're plastic. Yeah, they're plastic. Like, why why would you put that plastic inside you? And they never used to be. Like, we weren't told that the switch was being made from cotton to plastic. We've we as women are not told what chemicals are put in those tampons and there's some really unpleasant ones going in there like when it's did the scary i couldn't tell you but mm. i do remember do you remember they used to be wrapped in paper and the applicator used to be cardboard and then all of a sudden it was like shiny pink plastic yeah and... i do remember that switch actually that's that's really surprising yeah when so i've kind of challenged sort of the big wigs from these companies like how did you not think about this? Why yeah. did you switch to plastic? Yeah. And their answer is just, oh, it's what women want. <laughs> did you ask any women? Was this Mel Gibson? <laughs> yes, women want pollution and chemicals as long as they can have a lovely pink plastic applicator. Wow. wow. There you wow. go. Yeah. Well, a lovely note to end on. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much, Emma. <laughs> Um, you have been listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM. Our podcast is at acast.com slash verylooswomen or on the Apple and Google podcast apps or really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, so subscribe and listen to the archive. There are a few episodes in there about um, global warming and plastics and pollution. So plenty of other themes in this um, mm. this area if you want to go back. Um, this episode was produced by myself, Anna Rose, with Solar and Lee's, Leo's help and audio engineering by John at Resonance. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio, and that's the same handle on Instagram, um, on Facebook, and in real life, we're Very Loose Women. And we really appreciate post the addresses <laughs> 144 Borough High Street. Please send us mail because we never get any and all the other shows do. Bit desperate. <laughs> Bit desperate. <laughs> Please send us mail.